Good morning. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Children are headed out to Children's Church. Happy Father's Day. Listen, those of you that were here last week, and I know of everything that I said, you were listening to the page 12. I had 12 pages for my sermon. Oh, you thought I was going to say something else, right? <laughs> page 12. Look, look how, look how I, I was just so moved for you last week. Look what I have today. There's cheering in the crowd. One page. One page. (laughs) One page with a lot to say. I don't want to scare you. We're going to be reading Psalm 23. We're going to read Psalm 23 today. We're going to see how this chapter um, demonstrates to us the love and the care of the Father. See, since we're talking about Father's Day. So, if you have it in your Bibles or you know it by heart, you can join me and as, we, as we recite Psalm 23 and we read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. May God bless his word in our lives today. Um, I love this chapter. And I, I, I look at it now and I, I see the father reflected in it. And this is, this is the title of my sermon. I'm going to call it a sermonette because it's only one page. And I'm calling it, the, the title of the sermonette is, My Heavenly Father is my superhero. Yeah. And you're like that. My, my superhero. It, it's this wonderful season, you know, that all we're hearing about is superheroes and the Avengers and, and Batman is not the Batman he used to be with the powwow. Do you remember that? Or, is that? or am I dating myself? That we would watch, you know, episodes of Batman and all you would see were the words, powwow, you know, whatever. It's, it's not, yeah, some of you are like, what? Okay, go to the classics. 
and go watch him. That, that was the Batman of our age. And so, you know, we have the Batman and we have the Superman and we have, well, you probably know them better than I do, all the Avengers. And um, the one thing that all of these superheroes have in common is that they have one superpower. Right? I never quite understood how Batman got in that mix because everything he had and all his gadgets were right on his belt. And I, I, how, how did you like swing from places and do all this stuff? And everything was on his belt. But he didn't himself personally have a superpower. He just carried around a lot of things that were powerful, right? But when you look at superheroes, they all had one superpower and they always had a weakness. You notice that about these super, superheroes? They all had a weakness. Um, they couldn't be all places at all times, and they didn't know all things. See, they were limited in what they could do, but they were called superheroes. See? And when I think of my Heavenly Father, I say, wow, you know what? All these characters that we have across, you know, the world on superheroes, no one, there is not one superhero that really comes anywhere close to our Heavenly Father who is the superhero of all superheroes. How do you like that? He's everywhere. He knows all things. He's all-powerful. And he has no weaknesses. So how is it that we follow every other superhero? And the one superhero that we follow and we, that we should be following is the one that we least give time to, that we least talk about, that we least project, that we, you know, we don't slap it on a T-shirt, you know. I'm giving somebody an idea. Make a, make a superhero T-shirt. That's our Heavenly Father, you know. Just throwing it out there, you know. How is it that we serve a God who is such a father to us? And, you know, so many of us have been raised without a father figure in our lives. And, and we might have had a father in our home, but he was an absent father. You know, he was there, but you never really connected. He was either always working or doing other things. And, you know, you never, he was an absentee dad or or you, you know what, you, you just didn't have a great relationship with him. And then we look at Psalm 23, and we're able to see how, you know, I, I broke up Psalm 23 into, into three different sections. And we're able to see the Father listed in this psalm. And three things that I, I got out of this psalm was, you know, the security that God provides for us, the peace and the restoration. Security, peace, and restoration we get from this chapter. In security, I, I just love the fact that he says, you know, I know who he is. The Lord, he is my shepherd. And I want for nothing. There is not one thing that I am lacking or missing. And when we think of lack, we always think materially. And yet, if you, if you go and you look at the news and you see all of these children that have been born from such wealthy parents and you say, wow, they've had every opportunity available to them and yet they're a mess. You know, they've had all these opportunities and they're a mess. So what is it? Because they're missing and lacking the love 
and the presence of a father in their lives. And so God says in, in this psalm, you know, you want for nothing. And there's times that as a parent, and I'm sure those of you that, have fa- that are fathers here, there's times that we have to just make a place of peace for our children, a place where they can rest in peace and be able to feel that they're being just restored and renewed in the environment that we have. See, what we have, we have homes. We don't live in houses and apartments. A home is the atmosphere that we make inside of wherever it is that we live. This is home, you know. And I I always tell this story because it made such an impression in my life as I was reading the the autobiography of um, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham. And she spoke as she she spoke toward the rebellion of Franklin Graham, and she spoke ab- about how he had gotten to such a rebellious state that they could no longer tolerate him living in their home. Okay, not their house, their home, and it got to the point where Billy Graham had to go and tell him, you know, you can't live here anymore. That's a difficult thing for a parent to tell tell their child. I don't know where you're going, but you can't live here any longer. And he tell them, if you want to persist in the things you want to do, then you have to make, you know, living elsewhere. But I want you to know that if you ever want to change your ways, you will always have a home here. And now as we look at history and we've listened to the experiences of Franklin Graham, we're able to see where God took him through and brought him back to home. That now he continues this ministry of his father. And when you listen to Franklin, you're listening to Billy Graham. I don't know if you've noticed that. But the Bible is true in its promises when it tells us that if we raise a a child in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord, they will never depart. Raising our children in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord. Now, you might say, well, you know what? I, I don't have any little ones anymore. I'm dealing with teenagers or I'm dealing, I'm dealing with young adults or I'm, I'm dealing with adult children. As a parent, you will always be a parent. And so you as a parent still have the opportunity in whatever interaction you have with your children, you have that opportunity to be able to rear them, to lift them up, to direct them in the ways of the Lord. And they know that every time they come to you, they come because they know that you have a relationship with God the Father that feeds down and funnels into them. Do, do you understand? Did everybody catch that? They come back to you because they know that you have something that they lack and they terribly need. And that they will always find in you if you are able to maintain yourself in a consistent walk with Christ. That's, that's important. And so those of you that don't have children yet, that are, that are contemplating having children, start from before they're here. You, you're catching this? Start from before they're here when they're still in the womb. You know, talk to them. 
speak into their lives, pray over them. And then when they're here, then the responsibility begins. It doesn't, it doesn't stop at birth, but it is a long process of you as a dad, you know, to be able to say, I have to have something that I could build into the lives of my children. See? And there's things that they'll always remember. My husband was a great dad, you know? And um, the kids, the kids always, like, he would run home, you know, when they were babies, you know how well they smell so good when they're babies? I don't know what happens when they become, you know, adolescents. But when they're babies, they smell so good. And he would run home, you know, and, you know, he'd wash his hands, yeah. And he wouldn't even say hi to me. I was home all day with the baby. He wouldn't even say hi to me. He would run home, he would grab the baby, and he always would you know, just plop them on his chest and they would like get into these little balls and they would just sleep there. And I'd be like, I'm the one that was here all day. What's up with that? Hello, how was your day? But he loved coming home and grabbing his babies and just having that moment with them. You know, so many wonderful moments that they could, you know, just go back and, and point to you know, the, the little baby carriage that he really tried hard putting together. He really did. You know, and, and you can kind of tell when something just might not be totally right when you have spare parts. Do, do you know what I mean? And you're not quite sure where those extra parts go, but, you know, and the little carriage was lopsided like this, you know, and she's driving her little carriage and it's lopsided and the little, you know, the little covering on the carriage was like kind of dented in and, you know, and she proudly be dragging her little carriage out into the street, proud of her little carriage that daddy made for her. He tried. They didn't know the difference. All she knew was that daddy made a little carriage for her and she was happy with that. You know, all, all of the different memories that they might have, you know, uh, and, you know, as parents, you have your staff that you guide them, and you have your rod, you know? And even when you have to discipline them and correct them, they can see and feel the love through that, see? I don't believe in, you know, beating and abusing your children, but I do believe in corporal punishment. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be on the, on, the on the front page of the morning call. Pastor in Center City, Allentown, advocates for corporal punishment. I do believe. I don't think there's nothing wrong with swatting the behind. You know what? I don't. I think sometimes they need that. It kind of shakes them up. It's like, whoo, wait, what was that? You know? I'm, yeah, I mean business. It takes a lot to swat the behind, but yes, I mean business. And so I do believe in a little corporal punishment. Because you know what? Once, once you swat them once or twice, they don't, they don't even want to go there. You give the look, and they got it. They, they know. Yep, the look. I get it. But one thing that we as parents always have to have is consistency in our raising of our children. Consistency. And it's work. Because you find yourself repeating yourself over and over. And, you know, the other day Luke tells me, Lucas tells me, you're repeating yourself. 
I said, yes. You're making me repeat myself because you're not listening. If you don't want me to repeat myself, then listen the first time. He looked at me. <laughs> Simple. Listen the first time. And I don't have to repeat myself. And so as, as parents, you know, you find yourself doing that. And fathers are always seen as the disciplinarians. And so whenever, you know, we were three girls and whenever we were in trouble, mom would say, you just wait till your father gets home. Did, did you ever get that? You just wait. Well, what's wrong with you? Why do I have to wait? <laughs> Let's get this over with. No, you just wait till your father gets home. And by the time my father got home, he was like, he was so tired and he, he was, he, he was, you know, he didn't care <laughs> that I misbehaved. But fathers should not only be seen as disciplinarians, but they should be seen, as the scripture shows us, as fathers who care for us, who provide for us, who love us, wherever we might find ourselves. There's places that our children will go that we would prefer they not go. Isn't that so? We would love to be able to just like run 10 steps ahead of them and just make all the changes along the way so that they do not have to confront difficulties in life. And there's any fathers here that know what I'm talking about? We would love to be able to navigate that for our children. And I've come to see that the same way that the scripture teaches me, that God the Father lets us go through all of these situations in our life. He would love to just clear the way for us along the way. But we can't learn that way. We have to learn through going through some of the difficulties in life and being able to see that God the Father is ever present. When I fall, when I scrape my knee, he's ever present. So that I know that when I'm down there, he's there to pick me up. I know that when I need healing, he's there to heal me. I know that when I need provision, he's there. So I know that no matter what difficulty I go in my life and wherever my children might be at, I know that I can pray my children out of different situations. And what I always pray, and you should uh, practice this, is, Lord, wherever they have to go, please don't let them be there too long. Lord, can you shorten the amount of time that they're going to need for this teaching? Can you just make that a little briefer? And God, you know, he wants to do that with us as well, where he doesn't want us to be in these dark places we take ourselves to for a long period of time. So as our provider, the security that he provides as our provider, he knows what we need and when exactly we need it. The second part is peace. He's our protector. So he knows exactly when it is that we need quiet moments in our time. And we cannot just in their ear the whole time. It just doesn't work. And sometimes when we see where they're going, we see the pitfall. We see that they're just going to, you know, make, they're going to hit the ground. We have to just be present on the sidelines for if and when they call our name. And that's what God does for us. He is available at every moment 
He watches us. He sees us in those dark, shadowy places we go. And he's close enough to reach out to us. It's never too late to provide security and peace. And the third part is the restoration. He restores me to my position as his child. He restores me for access to him. See, when my position as his child is is restored, I have access to him 24-7. Whenever I want to speak to him, he's available. Whenever I need him, he's available. Whenever I have to reach out, he's available. These are the things that happen when I have a restoration of a position of who I am. I have access. Not every single human being on the planet has access to God the Father. The Father. See, you have to be a child of God to be called his child and for you to call him Father. He has many creation, much creation on the earth. All of of us human beings have been created by God, but not all of us are children of God. In order for us to be a child of God, we have to know him. We have to have come before him. We have to have said, God, forgive me of my sins. Restore me back to the original intent of my position in the Garden of Eden. Restore me back to that place. Then we become children of God with full access to him. We could climb up on his lap whenever we want. And say, Father, I need you. I was reading about sheep just a little when I was doing this, this uh, sermonette. And I, I, was try- I, I should have written it down, but I, I, uh, I kind of lent it to memory. But I'm, I'm going to look it up again. But it's something that's called like um, a crab sheep. I have to look it up again if I got that right. But what happens is there's moments in the sheep's life as they go wandering around, they get so focused on one area or another that they wind up slipping and they flip over. And when they flip over, they're on their backs and they wind up dying in that position. And so I I, I saw that the the reference was made about the 99 and how it is that when you know, the shepherd is counting and he counts and he sees and one is missing. He's like, okay, what happened to that one? And if he doesn't go back and look for that one that might have turned on its back, he will die. And so the shepherd goes out looking for that one, thinking and expecting that something happened that they didn't follow the rest of the flock. And this is what, what they call a crab sheep, right? And so... As I think about us in the positions we place ourselves sometimes and how is it that God has to go and look for us. And it says in in Psalm 23, in the valley of the shadow of death. He has to go look for us. And he loves us so much. And I know we spoke about this with the Holy Spirit, but God the Father loves us so much that when he goes and he looks for us in the shadow of death, he has to create something to get us out of there. 
and he's God the Father, the creator. And so he has to create something that will work to get us out of the positions that we put ourselves in, these valleys that we're in. He has to create to get us out of the positions we've placed ourselves in. We have difficulty thinking of God the Father. You know, we're we're totally there with God the Son and Jesus, our Savior. And we're there with God the Holy Spirit. And we're there with just the, the guidance and the counsel of the Holy Spirit. We have difficulty with God the Father. And, and, and you have to contemplate, why do I have difficulty thinking of God the Father? Is it because we are placing human characteristics on our God the Father? And so when we've had difficulties with our dads, and we haven't had good relationships with our dads, then we start having difficult relationships with God the Father. Because we're trying to treat God the Father as we treat our earthly father. And so with our earthly father, since I'm, I'm having tr- trouble with my father or with my dad, I don't speak to him much. So I don't speak much to my heavenly father because it just reminds me of my dad. Anybody catching where I'm going with this? There's a purpose behind it. And so we, we tend to treat our heavenly father the way that we interact and treat our earthly father. And our heavenly father is our superhero. See, our heavenly father doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't err in in the way that he guides us and teaches us and provides for us and cares for us. He doesn't mess up. But we keep thinking of of our heavenly father as our earthly father. And so, therefore, we have difficulty connecting with our heavenly father. Because we're treating him the same way. And so the same way that we have earthly fathers that have children and then forget about them, we're thinking that God the Father, it doesn't have time for me. And he doesn't have time for you because we're thinking of earthly fathers. See? And when we think of of earthly fathers who may have abused their children because it happens quite a bit, then we're thinking, okay, well, then if my earthly father has abused me, then God the Father is abusing me as well. And so we have difficulty loving and expressing our love to God the Father because we've treated him like if he is a human being. And the Bible tells us that God is spirit. See, we're spirit too. We're not superhuman. So guess what? This body that you're in is casing who you really are. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And so God the Father is spirit. The scripture tells us he is spirit. And he seeks people who worship him how? In spirit and in truth. So he's spirit. And so we as children of God need to develop relationship and know who our father is. You know, when, when you, you ever seen that show on TV, what is it called? This long lost family or whatever that's called, where these adult children are looking for their parents after all these years. And it's, it's really not that they're looking for them because they really want to lay in on them and tell them what a horrible parent they've been. 
but they're seeking these parents, even when they've had loving adoptive parents, is because they feel, they need to feel that they have been loved. See? And so, God the Father wants to love us, but we're running around chasing a picture of what we think should be God the Father. And he's like, that's not who I am at all. If you want to know who I really am, I'm, I'm all over this book. He's all over this book. Now, you know, sometimes I think about God and I say, you know, God, when I think of what happened in the Garden of Eden, if that would have been me, I would have just said, you know what? I'm snuffing these two people out. This is too much trouble and too much work. That, that's me in the heavenly set. Now, don't act like you wouldn't. You know you'd be right there with me. Say, Lord, you created them. I created you. I could snuff you out. (laughs) But yet in the love that the Father had for us, he's like, you know, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, come together and say, okay, how do we bring these two back into alignment? How do we restore relationship? See, how do we do that? And God the Father makes a way and he creates this bridge because he's the creator. So he creates. He created this bridge to bring us back to him. And the wonderful thing about God the Father is when we come back to him, he's not talking about the things we could have done, should have done, or would have done. He is so happy with having us there. The prodigal son, wonderful picture of who God is. When you think about it. That son, I didn't even read that story today, but that son was saying, I want my inheritance. In other words, why don't you hurry up and die? That is the Maldonado interpretation of the scripture. He's telling the father, why don't you hurry up and die? Because I want what's coming to me. And the father says, if you want it that badly, you know what? I'm not going to wait to die. I'll give it to you now. And he gives him his portion of the inheritance. He takes it. He squanders it, partying, drinking, whatever he did with his friends to the point that he was destitute and had nothing and finds himself in the worst of all places, which is taking care of pigs in the slop. And as he's there in the midst of the pigs, he remembers his father's home and he remembers not his father correcting him. He doesn't remember his father at any point not giving him love. What he remembers is the heart of his father to the point where even the servants were treated well. And so he says, you know what? I've lost my position as a son, so maybe I can get a position as a servant. And as a servant, that gives me the opportunity to at least have my personal needs taken care of. And he goes home. So what happens? The scripture tells us that from afar. He was in the valley. And the father was in the shadow of the valley of death, watching for the son, right? And the scripture tells us he comes, he he runs to him, he embraces him, he loves on him, you know. And he, you know, he tells him, bring me, you know, great clothes and, and let's have a feast and let's do wonderful things. And at no point did he tell him, well, wait a minute. You squandered everything, so now there's nothing left here for you. But he restores him to position. This is the restorer. 
He restores him to a position of sonhood, and he celebrates that restoration of relationship. So in restoring relationships with your children, you really and they really don't have the time for you to sit there and make the laundry list of all the things that have gone wrong. You're there to say this is a starting point. I acknowledge that things didn't go well in the past, but I want us to have a starting point where we can build relationship and really build it out of love. See? Uh, Jari happened to uh, read the verse that I have written down here on my page, which is 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, where it says, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. We are children of God. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So you have a world of creation that doesn't know him, doesn't want to know him, doesn't want to acknowledge him. Because that's where we are right now in our society. There is no God. There is no death. There is no heaven. There is no hell. There's nothingness. When we die, there's nothingness. And they're quickly learning that when you die, there is something, and it's called eternity. See? And so it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when it appears, we, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. So that all-encompassing love of God, all-encompassing, that loves us in spite of the mistakes we've made, that love us in spite of the places we've gone, that loves us in spite of the decisions we make. Loving our children through those things and being parents that are led by God the Father we reflect God the Father, and when you reflect God the Father, when your children see you, they see a representative of God. So they know to come to you for prayer, and they know to come to you for a word of guidance. They know to come to you for all those wonderful things that his staff and his rod provide. And chapter 23 goes on to say, uh, Psalm 23 says, you anoint my head with oil. You cover me. I know that I will always have a covering. I will always have a home. I will always have a father. You cover me. You anoint my head with oil. And my cup overflows. See? It doesn't matter if there's bitterness, whatever. Once that love hits the heart of that child, it overflows because this is what they've wanted all along. So it overflows with love for you as a parent. See, it doesn't matter how many disagreements you've had, there's love. And, and I think one of, the, one of the barriers to this love is unforgiveness. See, unforgiveness is a barrier to so many things in your life. And unforgiveness, unforgiveness is attached to every illness that is out there. 
Unforgiveness is attached to depression. Unforgiveness is attached to anxiety. Unforgiveness is attached to everything negative that can be happening in your life. And so getting to that point of being able to forgive a parent is huge. You need to forgive them to release them, and you need to forgive them so that you can move forward. See? And if your parent is not alive, if your dad is not alive, your mom is not alive, you know what? You can st still do that through God the Father. God the Father would gladly take that place in your life so you can release parents that have not been the best parents, the most caring, the most that have taken care of you and watched over you. See, we blame our parents for a lot of things that happen in our lives because we weren't even watched over. See, even watched over. You know, when I think of some of the places that were my playground, I say, oh my goodness, I would never let my kids do that. But I would, you know what my playground was? I used to go into abandoned tenement buildings and explore them. I used to love to do that when I was a kid, and I thought that was a great thing. You know, like people would move out, and they would leave their pictures behind, and they would leave their possessions behind, and I would go into these old empty tenements, and I would go through people's pictures that they left behind. And I would walk over, and I would see the drug addict in the corner, you know, just, you know, getting his fix, and I would see the drunk laying out over there in another apartment, and I would go through all these apartments as a little girl, and this was my playground. And now as an adult, or when I had my own kids, I was like, oh my goodness, child abuse, somebody called CPS. What is this child doing running around unsupervised? See? And you get into a lot of things, and you, but at no time could I blame my parents for any of that stuff. I didn't think to blame them. I didn't think not to have forgiveness for them. Once I learned the love of Christ, I love my, my parents through everything. I love my parents, my father through his alcoholism. I have wonderful memories of my dad. You know, whenever I see a little rupee barrel, I love rupee. Every time I see a little rupee barrel, oh, I'm dating myself. The people are like, why are little rupee barrels? There's little candies, little rupee barrels, all the butterscotch candies I thought of my dad because those were his favorites and he was always giving them to me. And so there's, there's wonderful memories in spite of all of that stuff. And so... We tend to blame our parents, and we hold on to these things. And yes, we've exposed ourselves to areas of abuse and neglect. Yes, we've exposed ourselves, and, and there was a, a lack of supervision. Do you understand? But I've come to the realization that the love of God, once I have the love of God, and I started going to church since I was five years old, I learned the love of God. That's all I felt for my parents. And as parents, once my father um, was able to see the love of God and experience that for himself, then you know what? He was able to love us even at a better, in a better place. Do you understand how important it is to have the love of God in your lives for yourselves, for your interactions with your parents, even if you're an adult, and for growing and raising children? The love of God is the one thing gift that you can give them that is an eternal gift. It's an eternal gift. So I encourage you to practice these things. You know, one of the songs, I think maybe it was the second song that they sang, I, I wrote down the verse because I, I thought it was 
interesting. It said, you made a way when our backs were against the wall and it looked like it was over. You made a way and we're standing here only because you made a way. So think of that. We're all standing here in spite of our slip-ups, our fallbacks, our shortcomings, the many times that we let God down. We are still standing here because he made a way for us. That was God our Father. He made a way for us. I'm going to close with this one little illustration that I read where uh, some of you may have heard this, but a Sunday school teacher gives his class an assignment for children to learn the, uh, the 23rd Psalm. And the following Sunday, they were going to recite it before the congregation. So every child had to learn Psalm 23. See, that's one of the things that I miss now because when I was a child, I, we did a lot of memory verse. You remember that? Those of you that are in my age range? We did a lot of memory verse, and we, and we learned a lot of scripture, and we memorized a lot of scriptures, and we used to have these wonderful um, scripture debates. You know, we would pick teams, and then you'd go against each team, and everybody had to say a verse from memory. Remember that, honey? We were good. We were good at that. We were always on the same team. Our team always won. We were competitive. And we get a little trophy like this. <laughs> a little trophy that big. A little plastic trophy like this big. And that was like the world to us, right? So they had to learn Psalm 23, recite it before the church. And this little boy by the name of Bobby just could not memorize that Psalm 23. And he tried to remember it. And he was trying all week and he was struggling with it. And Sunday comes, and the church is packed, and everybody's, you know, waiting to hear the children recite their Psalm 23. And all of a sudden, it's Bobby's turn. And the teacher says, okay, Bobby, come on, it's your turn. You're going to recite Psalm 23. And Bobby's shaking, and he's nervous, and, and he shouts out, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need to know, because he could not. Remember the rest, and that's all I need to know. That's all that we need to know. The Lord is our shepherd. Our Father is our shepherd. Our Father loves us. Our Father makes a way for us. Our Father doesn't give up. You know how many times he comes to us and we reject him, and he doesn't give up. He continues to come back at us with love. That's what we have to, you know, imitate from our father. So the children, I guess I went to get the children. The children have a special today. And um, we're going to start a, a, a particular way, right? So Evelyn's going to come forward and she's going to announce the children's ministry and their specials. All right. This is wonderful. This is our children. They're learning. They're learning about God. You bring them to God's house so they can learn something about him. Okay. All right. God bless you guys. 
Amen. Um, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. Amen. Let's give them a big applause. Yay. All right. And to our Heavenly Father, right, who loves us, right, despite of sometimes us um, being naughty and, um, um, and doing things that, you know, perhaps, you know, we're not perfect. But God, despite of it all, he loves us and, you know, we're here because of him. Amen. Amen. So today we have, um, um, the kids have a special, but we want to start off with something um, different today. So I have one of the, um, one of our children is going to recite a Psalms, okay, and, um, and he wants to dedicate this to his father, amen. So I'm going to ask for Sebastian, Sebastian, come here, bud. All right, everybody, come on. Yes. Okay. Okay, so Sebastian is a little nervous, okay? But I'm so proud of him because he's going to recite Psalms 23, what Pastor Marty just preached about, okay? So. He's a little nervous, okay? And I love to be very lenient with my kids. He's going to turn. He's going to face the altar, and that's okay. It's okay, all right? He's going he's gonna to turn. He wants to turn. Where's Mama? Oh, look, Mommy's here. Right here. I'm recording you. So we're going to tell him, okay? Even better, okay? So you're going to look at Mommy. Okay, look at Mommy. Okay? So I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to stand right here with him, and I'm going to hold the mic for him. Okay, and we're going to do Psalms 23. Okay, bud, you ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I should not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. You refreshes my soul. You guide me along the right path for your main's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me and the presence of your enemies. You anoint my hair with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life. And I will do all the house of the Lord forever. All right, he has one more thing to say. It means that if you ever feel like you're scared and you're alone, God's always with you. I'm so proud of you. Amen. Good job, Sebastian. All right. So this, this is just a living example. You know, when... When Luz was telling me that Jonathan, that uh, Jonathan, that uh, Sebastian was learning Psalm 23, I said, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if he memorized it for Father's Day? And not only would he given it to God the Father, but he's given it to his dad. His dad is surprised. He didn't know he was doing that. But this is to show you. And the last sentence that, that Sebastian said, when we teach our children the principles of God, Wherever they might be, they will always remember that word of God. And that's what's going to come back to give them the encouragement and the support that they need. So, Evelyn, while you get the kids ready, I'm just going to pray over the congregation. So, I'm going to pray over the congregation while Evelyn 
is, is getting the kids. Father, we are so, th- and yes, Father, we are so thankful this morning for just your presence. We're thankful for your care, the provision that you give us. Thank you for the fathers that you've given us in this house. Our spiritual father, Pastor Jay, we're thankful for him and we pray blessings on him. We're thankful for all the fathers that want to be imitators of you and look like you so that you're reflected through them to their children. And so, Father, I pray that you give them love, patience, endurance. Lord, as they continue to be parents to their children, that you may connect them and build bridges, not only between their children, but also with you, Lord, that they may see you as the father of excellence, that they may see you as their superhero. Lord, you are the one, Father, among us all. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.